The nail in the coffin! Welcome to the Nail of the Coffin. It's episode number 86, an unplanned episode, but uh, these are the things you got to do when uh, Kyrie Irving gets traded by the Cavs. It's a done deal. Trav, how are you feeling right now, bud? Uh, I've been better. Um, that about sums it up? <laughs> yeah, I think that's about, that about covers it. Been a hell of an episode. Talk to you next week, you know. <laughs> We're going to no, try think... to give you a little bit more than that. Um, <laughs> to help us get through it, though, we got uh, our old friend Mark Mazaros joining us as well. Mez, thanks for uh, coming on in a pinch here. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. You threw out the Mez signal, and uh, I was ready. Always appreciated. So I guess I have to say, of all the things about this that just crush me, obviously losing Kyrie sucks in and of itself, but... After years and years and years of getting to make jokes and, and clowning Danny Ainge for getting cold feet and never having, having the guts to pull the trigger on a trade, he finally does it, and he gets Kyrie Irving out of it. I, I'm just, I, I, I can't believe it. Of all the teams to finally show a, enough guts to, to go ahead and, and pull the trigger on one, it, it had to be with us. Yeah, I, he gave up a hell of a lot for it. The haul in general, I think, that the Cavs got um, with players, the pick. Um, so just if you're if you're not aware, they got what Isaiah Thomas, Jay yep. Crowder, uh, the Nets next, uh, the Nets first pick for next year, which Boston held, which projects to be incredibly high. Um, and then some guy I've never heard of, Zizik or Zivzik, I don't know what it is, but. Uh, so they got quite a bit from him for it. The value seems pretty good um, in general. I know we've thrown some some projected trades out there before. Um, you know, how would you feel about this? I think this has to be fairly high up there, but in general, I can't get excited about Isaiah Thomas. I just can't. Um, beyond that, I think it looks decent on paper. It also saves them a ton of money in the luxury tax space. I'm not concerned about Dan Gilbert's luxury tax bill, and I know you're not either. Agreed, but I think that is something that uh, it does shine a little light on why they may have made the move. Well, I I don't know. I, I don't think if Kyrie wasn't demanding a trade that this has any chance in hell of happening. So oh, I, I guess I it's a byproduct. That, I, I mean, all things considered, when we see what – Jimmy Butler was traded for when we see what Paul George went for. And I know their contract situations were a little different. Uh, I guess, you know, as Travis saying here, I, I kind of have to agree with him in that it seems like this is about as good of a haul as you could possibly hope for. So to, to answer the question that you posed to Travis about, you know, how do I feel now that this uh, week's in the making or a week's in the making Kyrie Irving trade has happened? I, I don't feel great. It's a bummer. I, I love Kyrie, but I didn't expect to be as happy with the haul as I am. I didn't think we'd get this return on the dollar. Not to say that the Cavs definitely won the trade, but I 
I never thought we'd get uh, like that Nets pick when I, you know, I first saw an alert on my phone a couple hours ago that this is being talked about, and all I saw was pick, and I just I didn't think it was the Nets unprotected pick. So uh, I agree with what you just said. You know, uh, Kyrie doesn't ask for that trade. This doesn't happen. But given that it did, I uh, I'm reasonably happy with it. When you were setting up the Danny Ainge, making fun, I thought you were actually going with the uh, having fun at Isaiah Thomas's expense in the. Uh, <laughs> That's sort of what I was finals. thinking it's as well. Cutting, it's cutting all kinds of deep, but that's you know, and you hate to trade with Boston. There's a lot of things you don't like about it, but it's hard for me to imagine that we could have done much better than this with another team. I have to go back and listen to the old episodes now just to cover my bases, but I'm pretty sure that during the playoffs, I didn't really say anything particularly inflammatory <laughs> about Isaiah Thomas. I actually think I was pretty complimentary of him because, I mean, you obviously had the horrible uh, family tragedy, losing his sister, and, and I was really oh, yeah. amazed at the way he was able to play through that. And I think the thing I said was, you know, I'll give him credit, and the, the reason they're losing this series, and the reason they, it ain't his fault. I mean, he's doing what he can, and um, that said, I, I'd still rather have Kyrie Irving um obviously but uh yeah i mean isaiah thomas is gonna put up big numbers in the regular season he had no problem getting points in the regular season the problem with him is as we saw when you got into the later rounds of the playoffs i mean people who knocked kyrie irving's defense uh wait until you see what we have now it's almost like we went and and, and tried to find the one guy who could be a, a worse point guard defender than Kyrie Irving. Is job. he playable against the Warriors? You know, I immediately went to this, how does this work against the Warriors? And I feel like he doesn't help us at all, but maybe Crowder does. Another, you know, big wing guy you can just throw into the mix. Not that he's, not that anyone's shutting down what they have, but he's probably a better weapon defensively than we've had, don't you guys think? If, if Crowder does help you, if Crowder is the one that you're counting on to help you against the Warriors, you're inarguably worse. <laughs> it's probably true. By I losing I Kyrie and getting a guy that, I mean, I have to assume that Thomas is supposed to be the, um, the, the primary piece in this trade. If he is a guy that you can't play against the Warriors, you're worse than you were yesterday. Um, so from that standpoint, I can't get particularly excited about it. Um, ultimately, I hope they're not done, and I hope Isaiah Thomas isn't on this team uh, in October, quite frankly. Um, I, I hope he's sort of maybe a means to another end to another guy that is playable. I do yeah, not I think, even considered that. That's interesting. I don't think the Cavs are done dealing at all. I'd be surprised if Isaiah Thomas gets flipped that quickly, but, I mean – Getting back to Crowder, you now have J.R., Shump, Jeff Green, Corver, Crowder, Chetty Osman, and if you believe the Dwayne Wade rumors that were floating around today, that's a lot of bodies at that two and three spot, not to mention LeBron. Obviously, uh, I mean, he almost becomes more of a three-four type guy. Um, so Same that, with Crowder against, against Golden State. Crowder's a four. Right. So that's, that's a log jam there. And I, I can absolutely see, I mean, you know, we, we had heard the rumors earlier in the summer that they were looking to offload Shump. So I would have to assume that that becomes a discussion again, whether it's with the Rockets again or with somebody else. But, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely would expect more moves to be coming. Um, 
I think the the draft pick from the Nets is super interesting just because it's unprotected. And I'm surprised they were able to get that without any protections. You know, the last time they got a lottery pick like that with un, without any sort of protection on it, we all know what that pick turned into, right? Yeah, the guy that just got traded. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I can, I can kind of sum it up. If you told me that they had to get rid of Kyrie, this is about as good as they could get. Um, but I'm still kind of bummed that they had to get rid of Kyrie. I think that's oh, and you're that's sort that of the close notes. You're bummed that they got rid of the guy who hit the biggest shot in franchise history. Let's uh... in potentially, <laughs> and I, I believe it was. I believe I've seen it called the most clutch shot in NBA history. So yeah, that guy. I um, think that it sours that memory even a little bit. I'm coming from a you know as I think we all yeah. are from an emotional place right now. Oh know? sure, even, I mean even though we've had time to work up to it, it's just like. Everything over time, well, not everything, but, you know, it's just one of those things that gets soured over time. And it just, that's what keeps bumming me out. I mean, he's had a nice career, but that shot is so important to all of us. And the fact that it's just a little bit of the shine has been taken off of it bums me Here, out. Here's, here's, here's sort of an interesting question I'll throw at you. Um, the Cavs are debuting new uh, jerseys this year. Is there a single jersey that's safe to buy on this team? No. Uh, for more than this year, no. Right. Because, I mean, usually when you're looking at, at jerseys, you're like, all right, guy's going to be around for a few years. They don't have one. Not a single one. No. Yeah, that's a good point. No, which kind of leads me to the other thing. I absolutely hate playing the what does this mean for LeBron game because I think it's a complete fool's error to try to guess what LeBron's doing. But my knee-jerk reaction when I saw that the Cavs were trading for a point guard on an expiring contract didn't really make me feel real great about what they think – of the long-term picture involving LeBron looks like. Well, a point guard whose contract's going to be up next year, though, right? That's what I'm saying. He's expiring uh, okay. after this year, yeah, just yeah. like LeBron is. So, you know, you could absolutely see a path in play here where if you think LeBron's gone and then you're looking to go into a, a rebuild right away, that's another guy – talking about Isaiah Thomas that you'd be shedding right away um, just because he'd be coming off your books as well. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, to, to go back to you guys were just talking about the interestingness of that pick. I mean, whether it's, whether it's an asset that maybe you can flip at some point to help keep LeBron to stay, or maybe it's a guy you need because you've got to rebuild because LeBron left, or maybe it's a guy you could actually pair with LeBron who resigns. I, I just think that's the thing I didn't expect to get out of it. And I think that's, what's interesting. But if I, you know, the question you're asking, do I think this trade right now helps us keep LeBron? I mean, I kind of think, I kind of thought going into the day that he's leaving after this year, and I kind of still think that. But maybe I'm just a glass half empty guy. Well, I think we probably have all learned to keep our guard up after 2010. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know that there's a move that they could have really made um, that would have impacted LeBron one way or another, honestly. I don't don't think he really cares that much. If Kyrie Irving wasn't enough to keep him here, um, well, I don't know that anyone else talking about. All the deals they've been talking about too are pretty short term. You know, guys with one or two years left, and I, I just think LeBron's going to do what he wants to do. And he, you know, pro- he probably hasn't made. You know, he probably leans one way or another than switches. But it's hard to feel real good that he'll be back a year from now. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, obviously you hope that he is, but I, you can certainly understand 
given the way things have unfolded here over the past few months, especially that uh, the possibility of him not being here a year from now, certainly in play. Um, yeah, as far as that, that pick goes, it, just as we talk about all the potential trades that could still come, I think it's entirely possible that that pick is not even the Cavs property before the season starts. Ooh, that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me, give me a scenario here. Well, I mean, if you're saying you think Isaiah Thomas could get turned around and flipped, I, I don't see why you couldn't do the exact same thing with the Brooklyn pick. I actually think Brooklyn, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team by any means, but I don't think they're going to be the rolling dumpster fire that they've been the past few years. I, I actually don't think they're going to finish with the worst record in the league this year, which if you're, it makes that pick, you know, every game they win makes that pick a little less valuable mathematically in, in terms of trying to win the lottery. So I don't know. I mean, you get a chance to package that for, Something like Marcus Saul or something like that. I don't know. That that to me is a conversation worth having. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a big believer with this Cavs team that the regular season doesn't mean a whole lot. He's not going to live and die with any one game, which I think is sensible. But he's ready to live and die with every uh, New uh, Brooklyn Nets <laughs> regular season game, and I think that is sensible. Well, that, and you're going to have to probably start paying attention to college basketball a little more closely because, I mean, this is going to be the first time in – four years or so that we actually have a pick worth, you know, looking at. So. Yeah. I got to figure out who the next Anthony Bennett is. I got to start watching. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> too, too, Something too to soon. Huh. To your point though, Tino, about them moving that pick before. If they're, if they're not a hundred percent positive that LeBron's coming back, they can't deal that pick. That's totally fair. But I mean, at the same time, I, Consider who's owning this team and ultimately calling the shots on things. I there's a guy that's damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. I he's it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. I I just when I first saw the trade, my first instinct was, well, these they don't think LeBron's coming back, so they're starting to build assets and they're almost in like a rebuild mode without really tearing it down. They're going to give themselves, you know, a solid chance this year, as solid as, as any. Um, but they also don't want to do what they did last time, which was um, when LeBron leaves, they got very little, you know, to show for it and rebuild with. Yeah, that's the thing. They would basically have, if, if it comes to that doomsday scenario again, the, the one small silver lining on all of this, I guess, is that, you would basically save a year on your rebuild because they had to bottom out for an entire year after that. And, you know, kind of go through that whole year after LeBron left before Kyrie came in and and you could basically, you know, skip right past go and collect $200 and, and start the rebuild right away. But man, I don't know. I just, I mean, go ahead. that, that speaks to why, at the end of the day, I, I like this trade, given that we had to do something. I think it's got an eye on not dropping off much this year, an eye on the future. Like you guys said, probably an eye on saving some uh, luxury tax. Uh, it probably does a lot of things. Now, you know, I'll be interested in rumors that come out maybe over the next couple of days about other deals that were maybe on the table. And maybe some NBA teams will leak some things that aren't exactly true. But I'd be interested in any deals that would have been unquestionably better 
this year. And then I think you can have an interesting discussion. But for a for a trade that does a bunch of different things, I think this is it. You know, just from the Celtics perspective, I think it's pretty interesting given the war chest of assets they had to work with. And when you look at the halls that, or or <laughs> I use that term loosely, but the returns that uh, uh, that Chicago got for Jimmy Butler and the Pacers got for Paul George, it feels like to get Kyrie, the Celtics really had to pay a premium and they could have gotten either one of those other two guys for less. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I, I think the Cavs were maybe in probably a little better position than a lot of people gave him credit for because, you know, with Kyrie being on a two year, two years left on his deal still, Kyrie can say whatever he wants. They didn't have to do anything. And I think they said, hey, if you want him, we're, we're listening. You know, we're open for business, but it's got to be worth our time and it's got to, you know, it has to be market value. And I think that's pretty close to what they got. Um, I don't know. In general, I think in the NBA, the team that gets the best player wins every trade, which they did not do in this case. Um, but I don't think they were going to anyways. No, no. I mean, this was that I mean, the, the quintessential making the best of a bad situation. I, I will say, I think it's kind of comforting, at least in a, in a little bit, to, you know, immediately go on Twitter and look at all the NBA people and for once see it. You know, when it's your team that has to ship the superstar out, not see everybody immediately say, oh, my God, that's all they got for him. The general consensus I've seen from people outside of Cleveland is that the Cavs did really well with with the return that they got on this. So um, if this is the big first trade that Kobe Altman's made as the GM of the Cavs and the the real big first crossroads that he's at, I, I guess it's encouraging from that perspective. But. Man, I you know, just all this. I mean, we're trying to put a happy face on it, but I still I you know, of all teams to see they have to you know, know that going forward we're going to have to watch Kyrie Irving in his prime on the Celtics just absolutely guts me. I'm not sure other than the Warriors if there's a team I'd have wanted to see him go to less. Yeah, agreed. Who's yeah. running the opening night? Boston Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, DNC, well, I think, right guys? Oh, of course. LeBron covering Kyrie the whole game? <laughs> nah. <laughs> oh, LeBron will be up for that game, I'll tell you what. I mean, like Kyrie won't. So is it, are we actually going to get uh, give a shit LeBron in the regular season this year? Yeah, game one. I think for that game. Game one, that's it. And every every time they play the Nets. <laughs> I was just going to say, somebody else made that joke. I said, I don't care if it's the 10th game in 11 nights. When you're playing Brooklyn, LeBron better play that game. <laughs> LeBron's playing, yep. I mean, I didn't think this was the case before today, but uh, this season, whatever it will be, it will not be boring. I mean, we're going to have growing pains all over again, all these different parts. I mean, who knows what will actually be around when they start. But uh, I don't know. It'll be appointment viewing, I think. Very fair. So, all right. Favorite uh, Kyrie memories with the Cavs? Obviously, we've got game seven of the finals from 2016. What else you got? I'm really bad being put on the spot, but what did he drop against the Spurs? And was uh, was it 54 a couple of years ago? Yeah, I want to say 56. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible. I mean, I, my memory is just bad with these kind of things, but uh, lots of memories. The 40-40 game he and LeBron put up. Oh, yeah. 
that Spurs game in the regular season, that was the, the first year when LeBron came back. That was the one of the first times I think we saw that uh, really kind of had that, like, man, this guy's got the dog in him. He, he could really be a, a, a championship caliber player. And, and I, I'm, I like both of those picks. Um, the one that for me, there's, there's two of them for me that the Christmas day shot over Clay Thompson this past winter, I thought was awesome. When he came back up the court sneering with, with <laughs> that was just fun. And uh, Absolutely. game five of the Eastern conference finals this year against the Celtics when LeBron, they had already lost game four and they fell behind or no, they, it was, no, I'm sorry. It was game four against the Celtics because they had lost game three and then they fell behind by double digits to the Celtics and everybody's wondering what the hell's going on. LeBron gets in foul trouble and it looks like the Cavs are on the verge of having the wheels fall off. And Kyrie just took it upon himself to go into overdrive mode and put up uh, 40 plus in that game and being there for that was something really special. And I think that just in general, just kind of feeling like what that night was there, you could just kind of see the a, a future of, you know, him getting handed the keys to the kingdom. And, you know, you just all the quotes you saw from LeBron over the last couple of years, just kind of grooming him to be the guy to take over the franchise. And, that you know, I know everybody's going to go nuts on opening night and you're going to be plenty of people booing him at the, at the opener when he comes in with Boston and. You know, you're going to see all the Facebook stuff about screw this guy. He's a quitter. He doesn't want to be part of our team anymore and blah, blah, blah. But I just, I, I can't help but feel sad more than anything else about the way all this played out. Would have been easier not to boo him if he had gone to the Timberwolves or something. That's a little trickier now, I got to say. Very true. Very fair. Yeah, and I got to watch fucking Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I've been making a joke for two hours that I've, during this podcast, looked up and realized it's outdated because he's a free agent. But I was really re- relieved that we didn't take back Tyler Zeller in this deal. <laughs> I, like, can't lose sight of that. Well, thank uh, God for small miracles. Exactly. You can never be too careful. No. All right, boys. Uh, I-, I think I've said about all I could possibly say on this. Anything else that you want to throw in? Nah, I think that about does it. Fair yeah. enough. Sad day. Could have been worse. <laughs> Agreed on all fronts. Well, folks, uh, if you want to hear us talking in, uh, on a, a much more fun subject, go back and check out the episode that we put up last week with our buddy John. We were talking about some classic sports video games, and uh, it was a fun way to uh, shoot the shit for an hour and a half. Uh, had a lot of fun with that one. We've gotten a lot of listens already, so if you've not checked that one out yet, I highly recommend you go do that. And uh, we're actually going to be back again uh, in a couple nights, we've got a good one planned. Uh, we got a guest coming on. I think we're going to be talking a little bit of football, high school football starting up uh, this Friday night here in uh, Northeast Ohio. Uh, always a good time there. So uh, if you've not done so already, go subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play if you're an Android user, or uh, we're on Stitcher as well if uh, that's your pod listening app of choice. Go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. And if there's any other old apps that you want to catch up on, you can always stream all of our old apps on our website, thenailpodcast.com. Boys, thanks uh, for getting together on short notice here. Appreciate it. Uh, Happier days are ahead for the Cavs again, hopefully. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Fingers crossed. All right.
So for uh, Mark Mazaros and uh, Travis Yuley, it's Tom Valentino. The nail in the coffin. We will talk to you again soon. Irving and Curry, one-on-one. Irving puts it up. It's good! Kyrie Irving from downtown! And the Cavaliers by three! Final seconds. It's over! It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews, and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.